This is our 10th session on Ephesians 2, 4 to 7, and really in this session we should be writing poems and singing hymns rather than doing explanations because what we see here, which is what we're going to focus on, in verse 7 is beyond the capacity of human language to capture adequately, and yet God has ordained to reveal it in human language, and we will do the best we can. Father, as I undertake to look at this word, so that in the coming ages, you, Father, might show the immeasurable riches of your grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, I will be in some measure faithful in rendering aspects of this that are glorious in a way that would awaken our worship. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, all of this divine activity, making us alive with Christ, saving us by grace, raising us up with Christ, seating us with him in Christ Jesus, all of that is with this purpose. Let that sink in. In fact, you could say everything that's happened in this letter by way of describing God's choosing, saving, sustaining work towards his people is aiming at this. This is the great purpose clause. It's not in contradiction to the purpose clauses of 1, 6, 12, and 14, unto the praise of the glory of his grace, and you'll see that very clearly as he shows the riches of his grace. But this one highlights kindness toward us. So I broke it out like this. And I'll tell you, if I was a teacher or a preacher in a church working my way through Ephesians, I don't care if I plan to pe- to, to preach <laughs> six weeks or six months on this, I would slow down and go through this phrase by phrase because people miss what it is to be a Christian by flying over verses without pondering every phrase. So here we go. The purpose. There it is. Why are we saved? Why were we made alive? Why were we chosen? Why were we predestined? Why were we redeemed? Why were we raised up? Why were we seated in the heavenly places? So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Let's go a phrase at a time. In the coming ages means forever. God, and one of the crucial things to see here is if you're looking for the purpose of life and you're looking around the world and seeing a mess, you're never going to realize what God is up to if you limit the scope of your assessment about God's purposes to this world, because his purposes are about the coming ages. In order that in the coming ages, God's purpose for the universe happens in the coming ages. 
This world is like a vapor, but these go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So God's purpose has to do with the coming ages, and he will need coming ages. He will need eternity because this immeasurable riches are immeasurable. If they're immeasurable, they can't be dumped on a finite creature, and we will always be finite. They can't be dumped on a finite creature all at once. They have to be measured out, and you can't measure out the immeasurable except in eternal ages. And he might show. This is why there's no contradiction between saying that the ultimate purpose of God in the universe is to be kind, and the ultimate purpose of God in the universe is to be glorified. He wouldn't have, he, he wouldn't have used this word if the point weren't, God has something to show, namely riches. He created the universe in order to show his riches. And what makes this good news is that the riches are grace and kindness, but they don't cease to be show. So God's purpose is to be glorified. Hence, 1, 6, 12, 14, under the praise of the glory of his grace. So he aims to show his immeasurable riches. The immeasurable riches, they will never run out. Remember as a child, I used to be afraid that heaven would be boring. That was so wrong. Immeasurable riches of grace means that before anybody could begin to be born after a few million millennia, God says, I've only just begun to surprise you. Of his grace, which means forever undeserved. It's not like after a few million years we will start to deserve this. We will always be supplicants of mercy, dependent on grace, and we will be glad to have it so. And this grace will be in kindness, meaning it will be beneficial. It will be good for us. It will never be bad for us. It will never taste bad. The days of being tested with pain will be over and everything will be beneficial, good, gentle, sweet, enjoyable, pleasant, of the richest kind. He will give us capacities to enjoy these riches that we don't now have. It will not be indiscriminate. Here's what I mean. I can picture a very, very rich person with bags and bags full of gold walking through a stadium, throwing gold pieces into the crowd and everybody's scrambling for them. That would be rich toward us. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be toward us. It would be random. When it says rich toward us, it's not like a philanthropist throwing money to people he doesn't know. It's like a father 
picking us up, sitting us down, and giving us his kindness. In Christ Jesus, never will we receive anything for all eternity except in union with Christ. Which means that Christ will always be glorified. There will be this showing and there will be this giving credit to Jesus because we know we don't deserve anything and it's only because of this union with Jesus that we get it. This deserves a sermon or two or ten. All of us need to meditate on this. Why are you saved? If somebody says, why did God save you? You should say, so that in the coming ages of eternity, he might be able to show off his immeasurable riches of grace in kindness toward me in my union with Jesus Christ. In other words, God gets the glory. We get the joy. That's our God.